not yet come. But you can go. But any time is right for you, it says. And the world can't hate you since you're a part of it. But it does hate me because I denounce it and testify of its evil deeds. Go up to the, fe go up to the feast yourself. I'm not coming. I'm not going up to the feast because my time has not fully come. And he said, and he, and he said these things to them. And he stayed in Galilee. So his brothers, one didn't believe, but they said, you should come anyway. Come on up here and let me, let, let's, I'll, I'll be your wingman, right? Come on, we can do this. You show them what you can do because I don't believe you either. Let me see what you can do in front of all these people. I know they want to kill you. It'll be all right. Jesus said in verse 6, my time has not yet come. And his brothers said, come anyway. If Jesus is saying to us, don't go there, and we go anyway, and then something happens, we get mad at him. Oh, well, you know, I prayed and I did, and, and then I, this happened. Was your word clear? Like, is that exactly what you heard? Did he say go, or did he say not yet? So in John 7 and 4, no one who wants to be a public figure lives in private. Right? So every time you post something on Facebook, every time you post something on Instagram, any time you do this, you're opening the door for people of the world who are not Christians, unless all of your friends are Christians and they all love the Lord and they're like, oh, good for you. They're going to judge. And they may not be judging to your face. I'm sorry, they're reading glasses. And they may not be judging to your face, but what happens when people over here start talking, right? Yeah. They're going to talk to this one and this one. Oh, you know what Mary did? You see, she posted that picture. Oh, she looks so happy. That's so fake. I can't believe you know they got to have issues. And then your Christian friends are like, oh, that's great. Look how the Lord blesses your marriage. And look at this. The devil hears this. And you know what he does? He's going to come in and backdoor you. Here's one little thing is now out in, the, out in the atmosphere. There may be doubt somewhere that someone's hearing something or thinking they see something, yeah. or you may have shared something. I am absolutely an oversharer. My husband tells me, play things close to the vest. All right, keep it right here. Make sure nobody sees your hand. I'm an oversharer over because I had to keep everything a secret as a child. So now and I'm like, hey, guess what? Let me tell you what this is. So I tell everybody everything. And it gets it. I don't like, I've learned not to internalize, internalize, and it's a struggle. So anytime I have the opportunity, I share. One, for you guys, it's a testimony. I hope that you never have to go through what I did, and if you do, here's what I did. I hope the Lord can bless you the same way. I've, I'm learning. Not everyone has my best interests at heart. So if I'm not talking to someone in this room, I have to watch what I say, because I don't want someone to say, here comes whatever, and this is a fake, this is a fraud. Because I'm now, as an adult in my age, I'm trying to live my life for the Lord. When I say no to my friends who do things of the world, they're surprised. And it's just like, not now. I don't want to. Maybe next time. I'm going to stay. They go on and do whatever they have to do. And that's fine. 
But what I found in verse 5 of the same scripture, it says, for not even his brothers believed him. And you know your brothers sometimes are the first ones to offer suggestions that are going to get you in trouble. Anytime you have unbelief in your heart, it causes, it causes you to prove something that you don't really believe. Right? So if I have, so I'm asking, are you a fraud? Not really, right? I, I find myself doing too much for people, and I don't always say no, and I always struggle, but it's because is it the unbelief, or am I trying to make people happy? Am I trying to prove something to myself? Is there a competition somewhere? Um, so we think deep down inside that maybe we don't have enough to offer. So if there's this unbelief, it's starting to be replaced, right? This unbelief, it, it's like, do we have not enough to offer? Are we not capable? Is this really how people see us? So when I just said I'm nervous to be up here, it's not because I'm nervous to stand in front of people. I'm afraid that my, uh, my opinion, my translation, the way I think about this scripture isn't right to what you guys think. So now you're going to judge me. So I don't want to be a fraud. Right? I don't want to go through this and beat myself up and every time I speak and think, is somebody really judging me or is this really what it is? I have to prove myself all the time. So I apply this unnecessary pressure. And let's take it out of this setting. Let's put it in a work setting. Let's put it in a home setting. These are, these are Jesus' brothers questioning him. It's one thing when the devil attacks you, but when you've got your own house attacking you, yeah. that's something totally different. Yeah. That's something totally different. So when we stand here and, and we think about what the Lord is doing for us, and, and the only thing he wants from us is this obedience. So when we're listening, and, and, and Jesus said, I'm going to stay. I'm not of this world, but you are. So I'm going to stay here in Galilee where I'm safe, because I'm not ready yet. I still have things to do in this place. And when I'm ready to move on to the next place, I'll know from the Lord. Have you guys ever driven, not using Google Maps, but Waze, and not looked at the map? It doesn't tell you turn left at Harvey Road. It tells you turn left. And you have to believe. So I had, I had to do this the other day because I couldn't get my, my map to show up. And I said, is this, as I'm driving, turn left. This left? That's a driveway. Oh, turn left 100 feet. I gotcha. So I turn. Is this what we do to God? Don't do that. But it doesn't say don't do what? He just says, don't do that. And you got five things going on. It's not your time yet. Don't do that. And you go ahead and do it. And then you're like, oh, man, that stupid GPS didn't work. I didn't follow the directions. I didn't follow the directions. And it's simple stuff that we're doing. So with every small accomplishment, in our minds, it could be a large accomplishment, but we're now posting these things on whatever social media that we're using. And it happens to all of us, anybody who's on any of these social medias. So it's a struggle. It's, it's fathers, it's mothers, it's leaders, it's aunts, it's uncles, it's teenagers, it's young adults. There's a fear of this competitive notion that if you don't do the same thing that they do, that something's going to happen to you, or whatever it is, that you're not good enough, that you can't keep up. So, when we, when we think that people, that people will think less of us, whether it's our education or, you know, thin or, you know, pretty, whatever it is, 
the time isn't yours yet. And, and I found, you know, I used, this is funny, and this is funny to say this out loud. When I was in high school, I used to think I was fat. I would, I would give something, I don't know what it is, probably my, my toe right now, to, I was going to say my left arm, but I need it. I would do anything to be as fat as I was in high school today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this, was, this is teenagers talking to you guys, right, talking to, your, talking to you. And, you. and you struggle with these, I struggled, you may not have, but I struggled with these things. But now, I'm serving a purpose. And my weight has nothing to do with the purpose that I'm serving. Right? My eyes, my, my eye color, my hair color, my height has nothing to do with the purpose that I'm serving. And if my purpose here is to serve the Lord, to get this word out to as many people as it can possibly touch, and it's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to sweat and I'm going to do whatever it is that I need to do. And I'm going to hear, I'm going to hope that somebody tomorrow night at 7 o'clock clicks on this message and listens to it. And I hope that I affect something in their lives positively. And if I don't, I hope that the message that I give, whether it's the strength to stand up here and talk to our, our congregation or anyone else who's listening, that it's okay to say no. And it's okay to say, I'm not ready. And it's okay that your brothers want you to do something else, your sisters want you to do something else, and you say no to them. Um, all right, so, it, so verse 6, it's saying that his time has not come yet, but it's your time. In 7, it says the world can hate you. Can't, the world can't hate you because you're part of it. But it can hate me because I denounce and I testify that the deeds are evil. When Jesus had dinner with those folks and he said, I'm doing this because you are my disciples and follow me because... I will keep you safe. He was fore, foreshadowing, forecasting, foretelling his future because he knew that he was giving his life up, uh, giving his life up for us, for them. He knew at that point, and they had no idea. So when I said he had the crowd, when he fed them, everything's great when you're eating, right? Everything's fabulous when you're breaking bread and having, you know, having whatever. And then as soon as you come up with some silly idea. It's like, no, uh-uh, I, I don't know what just happened. And the struggle becomes with yourself, right? Now, do I go? Am I of this? Like, what do I do? Am I following? Am I staying? Peter said at one point in the story, I got to go. I'm coming with you, brother. He said, I'll stay here with you. I lent my boat out for a little while. Someone's using it. Right? So at this point, he's, he's staying. He trusted the Lord. He said, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. And if it's your time tomorrow, I'll come with you tomorrow. You can let the others go. But I'm going to stay right here with you. So if you're doing, you're posting or you're doing and you're whatever, the things for the wrong reasons, things are going to happen. Things that aren't of, of the Lord, right? So Jesus purposely stayed. He's purposely stayed away from Judea, right? Um, I mean, you purposely think about stuff. You stop comparing. I got I to tell you, when you stop comparing yourself to others, your life becomes so much easier. Becomes so much easier. I look at my four children and I say, one is not like two, two is not like three, three is not like four. They are totally different children. They have totally different talents, totally different skills, totally different personalities. I can manage with one, in one way, or I can, I can teach one one way, 
But the other three is it's very different. It's very different. And it's not a maturity thing because when she was their age, it was still very different. Um, and you don't realize this until you're deep in it. And this is what I talk about when, when, you're, when you're in the arena. Like one child may be easy. It's never easy. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's never easy with children. One child may be different than another. And when people with children, people without children say, I don't know how you do it. I got to sit back and I'll be like, I don't either. I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, they're all still breathing. Fabulous, I made it through the night. Because there are times where I want to ch but I won't. And every morning they wake up and they're still breathing. And they're still calling my name at 6 o'clock a.m. all night. I said yesterday to Ethan, I'm like, Ethan, you're the only kid I know that's narrating yourself through life. He starts the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed. Is it time for bed? Can I go to bed now? I want to go to bed now? Okay, good night. And he talks his way through the entire day. Just all day long, just talks all day long. But we make it every 24 hours. And I'm here to say again, I made another day. I'll call you tomorrow at prayer. I'll let you know if I'm there again. But they're also with us. But it's never easy. So when we talk about applying pressure, this is the same pressure as... Um, you know, there's people that, that, that just teach their kids differently. I will never compare myself to another mother. I will not. I did this when Jada was little. I'm a working mom, and there's stay-at-home moms that just come to school and pick up their kids, and their makeup's done, and, and their clothes are perfect. And I'm getting, I'm dropping off Jada one day, and like, I'm going to work, and I have no makeup on. Hair wasn't done. Like, it's a mess. And when I realized that this is this undue pressure that I'm putting on myself, even today with the other three, it's not necessary. Because talking to one of these stay-at-home moms, who's now one of my friends, I realize she's got the same pressures I do. She's like, now I've got to stay home and take care of the house and do you know, all the grocery shopping. So when they come home, I help them you know, whatever, you know, whatever she was doing. She said, but it's a struggle because now I'm responsible for their afternoon, or afternoon care. I'm responsible for making sure their homework is done. I'm responsible for a dinner. I'm responsible for this. And we put this undue stress on ourselves because we're trying to prove something to somebody else when we're not the same people as them. And there's other people that just float through life and everything's okay and their kids are happy and smiling and never give them a problem anytime. And I don't know how to be like that. And I really don't. And I do this at work, and I do this at home, and I have to say, and I will apologize publicly to my husband that I give him a hard time every night because of what he does for us, and not for us, because I didn't see it for us. But you know, when you're working with something and you're digging in this deep, you realize, hmm, he may not be doing this for himself, it's for the family that, he's, that he has. So the pressure that we're putting on ourselves, it it builds up, right? And the only thing God's asking us to do is be obedient to his word, right? So it's not being obedient to social media. It's not being obedient to our bosses. It's not being obedient. It is being obedient to our parents. But in the way that we are using this kind of stuff to edify the Lord. When I heard David say yesterday that he's the topic of conversations in everybody at work, from everybody at work. Now, this is a whole new company for him. And he's still, 11 years in, still the positive topic of conversation. That's what I aspire to, yeah. right? Because he, 
and it's because of what God has in him. Now, I have to tell you, much like my children, when he's up at 6.30, I don't know if you all caught that time because I'm up at 6 with the kids and he's still sleeping at 6.30. Okay. When he's up at 6.30, he's already working. He's already hit the ground, said his prayers, moved on to the next thing, and he's working. So these people respect him at work. He has... He has um, he has this ability where people gravitate towards him, right? And I like him as an example because he's setting the exam example for our children and for folks that we encounter. When the two of us are together, people, people gravitate to him, and I love it. And he always pushes it off on me. Have you met my lovely wife? You know, she's, not, she's the only reason why I'm here. And we know that's not true. He has this ability to talk to anybody, to help people grow, to help people flourish, to where he's brought these people into his job, and he's grown them to come up to these beautiful people. I admire you for that. I hate you at 7.30 when I'm having dinner, and you're not sitting down eating, but I admire you for the things that you've done. And I have to tell you, if you weren't out there working and busting your tail the way you are, we, we're, the way you are we wouldn't have that hot meal to eat. Right? And it took me a while to recognize that. We're partners in a lot of things that we do, but I realize where, where I am, right? I pay for all the stupid stuff. I pay for the cable and for the Netflix and for going out to eat. He pays for everything else. He pays for the cars, he pays for the house, he pays for the food. That's what he does. He provides for our children, he provides for our house. He provides our spiritual leadership in our house because he is obedient to God. We stumble, we all do, right? Nobody's naive to that, we all stumble. He's quick to pick himself up. Some things he questions along the way, but he's quick to pick himself up because he has the ability to say, not yet. I'm not there yet. I'll come when I'm ready. Dinner's at 7.30 every night. He shows up around 8. But he comes when he's ready. Because you know why? He was finishing up what he had to do. He closes up his computer, and he sits down at the table, and he sits around that table, and he says to every one of those kids, tell me about your day. What did God do for you today? And it throws them off. And they're like, oh, wait, what? It gives us the ability when we can recognize that Jesus' own family questioned him, that we're the only ones that can take care of our family. And when I say family, we have a church family, we have a personal family, right? We have a work family. If it's up to us to grow our individual businesses, to grow our individual houses, to grow our individual families spiritually, we're going to do everything that we have to do. And if we have to teach our children and our family and our friends to say, not yet, then that's what it's going to be. I'm okay being in Galilee because I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give up my life so somebody else can have one. And that's what Jesus did for us. He said, I'm not ready to show, to prove to somebody that I can turn water into wine or I can make 500 loaves or feed 5,000 people. I don't have to go out and prove that to somebody. I don't need to post that to prove it. I can cook dinner. I can make banging food. I don't need to post it. I don't need to post it. What I like is coming to you and saying, I made dinner, have some. Or saying to my kids, who my daughter calls me and I lost it at work, she calls me and tells me, I had an epiphany. She, she texted me, I had an epiphany. 
I'm going to put myself out there because Dave laughs at me. I've never seen epiphany spelled out before. I said, I'm great. I'm so happy you had an epiphany. I don't even know what that word is. So she called me. She was like, epiphany. So I spelled it phonetically for her. She cracked up. She said, her professor grew up in an abused relationship and now in a, in, a, in a domestic violence household, not a relationship, a domestic violence household. And she's now working with children um, that are come from the same background. This is Jada talked to me. She said, I want to do the same thing. And I didn't realize until I'm sitting in class today and she's telling me this story. And I realized you and daddy do the same thing. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, you got people just showing up at your house. People just show up at your house and stay. They don't ever leave. Her friends come over and they're like, hey, mom, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just cooking dinner. Let me make sure I take out another bag of chicken. Making sure these kids have food to eat. I don't know when the last time they ate. I don't know the next time they're going to eat. I don't care, and this is horrible, if I'm having hot dogs, I send them home with them. I don't know when it's going to be or when it was. And it's the people that we attract in our lives. Our friends are very similar. We send people home with food. I learned that from my mother and um, the pastor. You send people home with stuff when they come to your house because you don't ever know. She said, I learned it from watching you and dad. I cry. This is me? I do this? Because people at work think I'm the meanest person ever. <laughs> but people come to me. People come to our house. She said, you set the example for me. Because Jesus set, set the example for me. I will not eat. I will make sure that my husband and my children eat if it's ever that kind of way. I make sure my husband's plate is fixed first, everybody else can get theirs. And if I have one little meatball and a little string of spaghetti, that's what it's going to be. I'll be all right, because I'm going to stay, right? Because I'm not ready yet. Until the day comes where Jesus says, you don't need to be obedient anymore. You can go out and do whatever you want, is when I will do those things. But I will be obedient to his word. I will make sure that I eat the fruit of the land, that I pay my tithes, and I am obedient to everything that he does. Because when it came to the end, he hung on the cross for me. He hung on the cross for us. And until we can understand and put all these things in practice and stop putting undue pressure on ourselves for stupid stuff because we're comparing ourselves to somebody else who's trying to prove something to somebody else who isn't watching, who's trying to prove something to somebody else who isn't watching anyway, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? So when I'm standing at Ford Chadwick and I said, make your bed or make sure the house is cleaned up before daddy comes home because you never know who's going to pop over and your house is clean, it's because I'm obedient. It's because it's what we do. When we're obedient to the Lord, all of these things fall into place. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events. 